0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional. Hiking and hunting boot and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the Navigator series. Now they have the women's windrows, they have the men's windrows, and then they have the Atlas the Atlas series within that as well. So go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have. I've been using mine for a couple weeks now, and I am very impressed with the, the fit and the feel. And I can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run. So lacrossefootwear.com, check them out. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Man, I'm jacked today. Um, I don't know why, but I am inside of the danger zone as far as elk hunting is concerned. Uh, Here's what's going to happen in the next two weeks. I leave on Friday, September 6th for my elk hunt. Uh, You know, 24-hour drive or whatever, not 24, but like 16-hour drive to from my place to the first place that I'm staying in Colorado. Then uh, we go up into the mountains, get acclimated for a night, and then it's Sunday morning. We're off to the races, chasing some bugles. Hopefully, we're going a week later than last year and hopefully that gets us just a week closer to the rut them really sounding off them really uh, starting to go crazy and make mistakes up there in the mountain and uh, man i would love to shoot one at about 10 yards uh that would be bananas something in the 400 range i think would be no i will shoot the first elk that comes within shooting distance of me period um in order to be an elk hunter you got to try to kill some elk and that's just what I want to do I want to get that experience and uh, hopefully uh, that all the work that I've been doing this offseason with additional shooting and uh, additional you know preparation physically continuing that like I did last year and hopefully uh, all that pays off so next two weeks it's time to organize my gear it's time to con- or, you know, I just continue the the ramp up as far as the physical fitness part of it. Got to try to do something that's getting my heart rate up every single day. And uh, what I've been doing right now is these weighted uh, pack hikes. I go to a, a local state park, find the biggest hill, and it's boring. But I just walk up and down it, and I just try to get those legs burning as much as possible. Try to get my breathing, you know, on point. Try to get my cardio in as good of check as I can and just like last year man I felt good going in but you cannot like I'm from Iowa so it's just hard to really beat that elevation and uh, just grind it out and then uh, you know hopefully walk away from uh, that hunt successful that would be awesome and what else Uh, and then just try to get the household in check right for making sure that my wife has all the help that she needs I'm working on that right now all the help that she needs going into that uh, vacation or like it's not even a vacation anymore because I really don't have a job not a, not something that I would call a job what I'm doing right now I get paid to do but it doesn't feel like a job right I get to talk about hunting and fishing all day so I absolutely love it anyway I'm all over the place right now because I'm so jacked I had like six cups of coffee this morning and I actually might go back for a seventh um, just because it's America and I can do what I want, I'm trying to think of. Oh, I know! Shit, it's the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing on my notes right here. We're doing a giveaway, ladies and gentlemen, and we are going to. We're going to do this big, right? I'm picking one winner for this. By the way, I'm not going to spread the wealth. Uh, that's not how I do it, uh, because that just means more more work for me. But I'm. This is what this is what we're giving away. We're giving away a prime synergy 33 right we're giving away a ripcord rest of your choice we're giving away an ozonix hr 230 and we're giving away some broadheads from wasp uh, and you get to choose whatever heads you want now i'm gonna say that one more time because that's a lot of money worth of products that's going to be going to one winner uh and so what first off you need to tell all your friends hey man go enter or if you know someone who is new to hunting this package right here will get them for the most part you know 60 percent of the way right the only other thing you would really need is arrows but prime a center g33 ripcord or rest of your choice Ozonix HR-230, and a Wasp Broadheads of your choice. And here's how you win. When this launches, right, when this launches, you need to go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. And you need to share the post that is pinned to the top of the page and it will have information about this giveaway. You have to share it. You have to make sure you are liking and following the Sportsman's Nation Facebook page and the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. So that's three things you have to do. First off, you have to make sure you're following the Sportsman's Nation uh, Facebook page. You have to make sure you're following the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. And you also have to share the post that is pinned on the top of the 9 finger chronicles facebook page and i will make sure that i it's uh, pinned up there and by the time you hear this it'll be there and it'll be ready to share away follow the instructions and that's I, i'm going to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and that's how I will select who wins right it's going to be a, a drawing at random other than that man that's a really good giveaway uh, and that's what we're going to be doing uh, up until I'm, I'm going to let you guys go soak that up and I'll mention it a couple more times, but I plan on actually drawing the winner after I get back from my elk hunt. So hopefully you guys have all of, uh, the gear by the time, uh, your archery season, or at least, at least, uh, October. Right, so hopefully you can we can get a winner drawn and get it by October, and you guys can start using uh, you know whoever wins can start using uh, that products. Uh, That'll get you started, man. That's a really good uh, gear, and I think you guys should all go and take advantage of that. Other than that, man, we got a really kick ass podcast today. I always like talking to this guy. His name's Ben Harshine. Uh, He's been on the podcast several times. We talked to him about in the past. We've talked to him about his company Huntera. We talked to him about buying land. He's also a whitetail properties, real estate agent. And today we're going to talk about a variety of different things. This is a good old fashioned BS session, but his dad has drawn an Iowa tag this year. So his dad's coming from Pennsylvania to hunt Iowa. And this is just like a big thing, right? I mean, uh, just being able to spend time and, and you'll hear Ben talk about it. You know, his dad got him into hunting and this is like him returning the favor, helping him Uh, putting him on a good piece of ground, helping him get, uh, situated in Iowa to, you know, hopefully he can, uh, uh, connect with a a good representation of the Iowa uh, deer herd. And then at the same time, he talks about the property that that he hunts. Uh, and he be we BS a little bit about, uh, the deer that he has on his hit list thus far. So it's a really good overall podcast, man. Like I said, I love talking to this guy. If you get the opportunity, go check out, um, uh, Hunter maps and uh, just kind of a, a shout out to Ben's company man really high quality stuff I actually have one of his magna maps in my office that I kind of stick notes to but at the same time once hunting season gets here it's like my it's like my uh, operation of command command central or how whatever, whatever that term is right I got where are my tree stands I got I, I kind of use it coincidingly if that's even a word I got, I got the physical map and I got my Onyx maps and I use them hand in hand and I just stare at it. I, all I do is I stare at the map and I just move the pins and I'm like, okay, me, maybe, maybe I need a tree stand here. or Maybe I need to do this or maybe I need to do this, whatever. Um, so, and then he's a whitetail property, uh, real estate agent as well. So if you're looking to buy or sell land, dude, in Iowa, especially the east side of the state, call up Ben Harshine. He's the shit. <laughs> so other than that, awesome podcast. Take advantage of that giveaway and uh, enjoy this podcast. All right. Mr. Ben Harshine, thanks for inviting me to your CASA to uh, record this podcast today. Appreciate it. You're welcome, buddy. Uh, this is
1: becoming a an annual thing, I know. Right? Preseason know. we're getting stoked. We did that last year, didn't we? As soon as the weather changes, me and you, we like our testosterone starts to rise, our right. necks start to
0: swell a little bit. Right. Yeah. Speaking of uh testosterone starting to rise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh here's here's something crazy. Has your wife started getting antsy knowing that you're going to start being gone a little bit more throughout the fall? Who
1: I I think she knows what's coming. Right. Um, Last year was kind of a fiasco for my, my, like, a a sound hunting strategy on my own part. Yeah. Um, And she knows I didn't hunt as much as I probably should have last year. Well, should have. That's kind of a, I guess, a weird way to put it. But, yeah, she knows hunting season's coming around the corner. I'm stoked. My dad drew a tag this year. So, I mean, there's going to be some serious effort that's put in. In the in the whitetail woods and, and hopefully our our uh, all of, I think she's really hoping all of our uh, preseason efforts pay off early. Yeah, but it, <laughs> so you've been putting some work in on the lease already. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, not not much. It's it's uh, it's still heavy crops. Um, no food plots in it this year. That's just gonna that's gonna change next year and the years going forward. We're gonna be, start to be able to manipulate this property. But um, been running cameras and and um, you know this year. Really, what I'm trying to do is is hone in on a couple bucks. Yeah. That I, 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 I uh, one of them I wanted to kill last year. The other one was a four year old. And with this farm, I'm trying to kill five or older. That's just that's where my goals are right now. Yeah. Um, that's not to say if a giant four year old doesn't come past me and you know I mean it's going to be pretty diff- tough to yeah. not pass them and yeah you know but whatever Th- that doesn't really matter. But what I'm excited about is I have these two deer that I have a ton of trail cam photos of last year. Didn't encounter either of them. But um, they're both back. They're both hit listers, and I want to – what I'm trying to do is just put a plan together to get in front of them. Cool. Yeah, and that's that's really fun. That's, yeah. That's the strategy part that we all really try to dream of, you know, and you got to have the deer come back multiple years to do that. Right. Um, get,
0: get a pattern going on Yeah, em. exactly. Yeah. So kind of going back, like my – i can just feel my wife starting to get anxious i leave not this friday but next friday for colorado for a week and then i'm going to south dakota for a mule deer hunt for a week in the first of october and then starting you know oh boy once the depending on what the trail cameras are telling me i think i'm gonna uh i probably won't hunt as early this year on the main farm that i have Mm -hmm. but I can already feel like her being like, you son of a bitch, (laughs) (laughs) you're going away and I'm going to be a single parent, you know, for, for that time. And I don't know. I I just have really been trying to put my work in at home, telling her yes, a lot to a lot of things, you know, doing what she wants to do. And hopefully that, that softens the blow. Um, It never really does because my kids are crazy. You can, you can testify to that, but (laughs) at least it
1: feels like. When you're in the tree, you feel like, man, I, I mean, I I don't this. feel guilty. Yeah, you don't feel yeah. guilty, and, and that's, that's a big part of the mental um, game. I mean, uh, that doesn't get talked about much, but, but um, you know, 99% of the people listening to this, or we, we all have normal lives, right? Right. We all have normal lives. We have obligations outside of work and, and, uh, or outside of hunting, and uh, to be able to get in a tree and have a guilt-free sit is a nice thing. Yeah, And uh, it doesn't always happen, you know, there's things at work or things at home that need to be taken care of or family. So, um, you know, the mental side of it from the mental side of hunting sometimes can be more difficult. And and you want to make sure
0: that everything else is kosher in your life to have a good sit. Yeah. All right. So that speaking of that mental strategy, this and by the way, this podcast is going to be a all over the place podcast. It's just a good good old fashioned BS session catch up with you. But speaking of the mental game. Are you the kind of guy who overthinks everything when it comes to what tree stand to sit on a particular day or are you the kind of guy who's just like well i have a northwest wind uh and it is this time of year i know exactly what tree stand i'm going to go to and you go do it or are you like me and you're just like oh well if i go here you know this buck could show up but you know oh well if i go over here this buck you know and then you just basically talk yourself in circles yeah
1: a little bit of both. I I definitely have overanalyzed uh, my sits, um, but I think I've come to the point where I realize, you know, you, you get in a – you got to just log log the hours in, in yeah. quality spots, and if you feel like you're burning a standout or, or if that buck that uh, – what I'm going to try to do is get a little bit even more aggressive this year as yeah. far as these specific deer. It's like, okay, well, you can kind of, you know – worked out outside in, but when he's moving, you just got to be around. Right. And, and, and luck is going to, luck is a huge factor in all of this hunting. I mean, so, um, yeah, we all overanalyze the, the you know, the, yeah. you know, sit here and stare at these maps, but, but, uh, you know, this like deer on the wall right here, I was driving down to hunt a farm and, and, uh, well, th- that deer there, I, I was, I said, okay, I'm going to go hunt this farm. And, uh, Driving down, I literally changed my mind. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to hunt this new farm that I got access to, and I'm just going to treat it as a running gun. I only got a, you know, a, a handful of hours afternoon sit, and next thing you know, I shoot the biggest deer of my life. Right. You know, and it just it it, it just
0: happens. That, yeah. That way. So, um, the analysis will always be there. Though. Yeah. So you mentioned you're going to be a little bit more aggressive this year, uh, and you also mentioned you have two bucks so far on camera on your farm that are hit listers mm-hmm. so how are you how, how do you plan on being a little bit more aggressive in your approach but at the same time only trying to kill a deer that's on a hit list
1: i think that um you know i have these preset stands i got probably you know i got a i got a bunch of presets hung but um I, it's going to be easy to say, okay, well, you know, he's around, so I'm going to sit in that stand. Right. I'm going to bounce over to that stand. But if I see him, you know, this is a bigger farm than I'm on, and I can see a long ways. And so uh, my plan is to try to get on the attack. And, and if I have an observation of him using a certain area, right? because I only have X amount of days to hunt, I'm going to try to get in and pursue him harder. So... I guess that's what I mean by by uh, being a little bit more aggressive. I'm not probably going to get into like you know morning hunts in, in early October and like get away from my kind of core fundamentals. Yeah, it's still going to be a lot of hours in the tree in November, um, but uh, as far as moving in and hunting different parts of the farm, and I, you know I, my goal is to learn this place. And if I feel like okay, well, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to go in there and I could spook some does getting you know getting in there or wh- whatever the case may be. I mean, I'm not going to learn, right? And so I, I look back and I, I, say some of the seasons that, that have been long and drawn out, or I haven't killed a buck that I'm after, um, I think my biggest mistake is being a little bit too cautious and mm-hmm. a little bit too like hygienic about it, right? And uh, I'm gonna this year, I'm gonna treat it a little bit differently. I'm gonna try to get in and just get, get right in their wheelhouse if I think that he's in a certain draw, um, try to get right in there and hunt him, you know?
0: Yeah. So. That's a That's a big change. That's something that was hard for me to do when I decided, okay, dude, enough screwing around. You have to, you can't just sit back. And that is when I would say like four years ago is when I completely stopped hunting any type of field edge Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. and made that, it's like, dude, if you're going to try to kill a buck even in November, unless you have this random occurrence of a buck kind of coming through. um, And that's, and that's me telling, saying that from a guy who doesn't have the ability to manipulate his property at all. Mm -hmm. Right now, if I had the ability to plant food plots, I might sit on food plots, which was was kind of a uh, field edge, but I don't have that, that luxury. So, so for me, I, that's when I kind of said, okay, you're probably gonna jump more deer going into the timber getting in between the bedding and the field edge or the food source or whatever but it paid off with that first year probably seeing not a ton of deer Mm -hmm. and and when i say seeing you obviously see a lot of deer when you're sitting on a field edge or whatever but making that aggressive move in you're getting deer closer into shooting range Mm -hmm. right and i think that's what it's all about yeah yeah i'm i'm uh you know i I look back at this one hunt in
1: Kansas maybe six years ago or so, six or seven years ago. And I sat on this, this brush, this fence line, and I watched this buck for two days in a row make a um, relatively same travel pattern. You know, he used, like, the same trail, but he was way out of range. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, it's easy for me to say, well, this stand's already here. And he's moving around in on the farm. Right. It's only a matter of time till he comes up this line well no i I said you know what I'm gonna take another I'm gonna take a new stand go right in there even though it's a tiny little woodlot maybe three acres that he was just traveling through right. some reason he felt more comfortable I said i'm i'm gonna I'm gonna do that I'm gonna go in there and ended up hanging it in the evening right. actually it's just really kind of weird scenario because I wanted to have I wanted to sit it in, in the morning but I didn't want to hang it in the morning right um hung it in the evening and Climbed it the next morning, and I had an arrow into him within probably twenty minutes of daylight, daylight right. of sun, sunrise. You know, and it was like, okay, well, yeah, I could have sat there and analyzed which wind or oh, is he if he comes from here, my wind's going to do this, and I mean, I got in there and I killed him, right. and and so I think there's something to be said about. Obviously, if you go in and you get winded multiple times in a certain location, you have to think about accessing it or hunting it a different way. Right. But at the same time, you don't know.
0: Right. Get in there and learn. Right. That's going to be my theme this year. Right. And I'll, I'll say that what I did, and it sounds like you've done this in the past as well, but with any type of a little bit more of an aggressive move, like when I moved into the timber and didn't decided not to hunt field edges anymore... I I also got busted more uh, sure. whether that's my access route and I think that's you know that's the biggest thing is you know for me is access into um certain parts of the farm my farm so my question then is what does what does crop rotation do have you been on this farm long enough to witness what crop rotation does cuz I I'll just kind of share real quick I am a huge believer that crop rotation plays a huge part in deer movement even after all the crops are out of the field mm-hmm. yeah
1: it, it's uh, i'm tuned into that because yeah. this will be year three it was all corn last uh my first year it was all beans this past year uh the the, the first year i had it there were multiple big deer on this farm and, and um uh, uh it was there was a lot of deer last year it was all beans and it was literally a ghost town i had a good friend come and hunt with me and uh you know he, he didn't see many deer and it was just um it was a it was a bummer all around and yeah. so i'm curious that now that we're back into corn again um what is that hunting season gonna look like right so i i can't really say oh yeah there i mean i i think that there is a big difference i don't know what that different to me it's kind of trending towards okay well that better year was a corn year and i've heard other people say
0: that as well um we'll see though yeah so i'm on a i'm on a i'm just going to call it a bean year Mm -hmm. on the the farm because i shouldn't say that there's more corn on the field uh, on the farm this year but the top of the farm has is, is all beans so i'm on what i call a bean year because uh and and when this one particular field has beans in it the deer don't come up Mm -hmm. because they don't feel comfortable because the corn they've had this corn wall Mm -hmm. between them and the road and when when it's in corn i feel like there is a way more deer on the farm and the second that that goes out they all shift they don't necessarily go away they shift into the farm deeper but if it's corn or if it's uh beans yeah, if it's beans, they're not even there early October anyway. Mm-hmm. they've already either been down into the farm or they're off into a different so man, I, I don't know what it is. I wish you know I'm gonna be way more observant this year, but man, that crop rotation, I think it's something that a lot of guys overlook to mm-hmm. be honest with you,
1: yeah, yeah, I'll report back to the uh, nine finger nation. <laughs> what, what the what what the response has been postseason? But I, I have a feeling it's going to be a better hunting season, you know, on this farm. Yeah, than last year.
0: dude, I got a good feeling mm-hmm. about this year. And uh, all right, so you mentioned two hit listers. Mm-hmm. All right, so what? How old are they? What do they look like? What's the?
1: Yep, one is a. Uh, I don't know his age. He's he's over the hump. Yeah, so I'm gonna guess he's seven plus. Okay. Um, just an old warhorse. Yeah. And he's probably in the high forties as an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some trash on his bases, nice, big, heavy bases, wide, but short tines. And he's just oh, a okay. fully mature. I called him Wilbur last year. Yeah, I seen him. Yeah. yeah. So, so he, uh, uh, big, just a big old pot belly, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, one of those deer where like, you sink an arrow into him and it just like, it is in slow motion because he's at that, that big of a body just yeah. running, you know? Yeah. So, um, I also run in video cameras this year. He is definitely the dominant buck in the area. He oh, okay. Pushes everything else away. So he would be a great one, you know, from a management perspective to shoot as well. But I mean, he'll be an ultimate trophy because he's super leery. Um, what's cool is that he doesn't have a huge core area. I don't think judging by the past two years of trail camera photos. Um, so I'm really pumped to, to, uh, to be able to shoot him if he can't he comes by. And then the, 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 you know, the larger deer, the, the more attractive deer from a rack perspective, mag seven last year, he was a four year old. Um, I know that because my first year, which had been 2017, got pictures of him clearly as a three year old, eight point last year, he was an eight, but then he broke off his G three early, uh, right after velvet, he, he damaged his three. So it was a seven points. So we called him a magnificent seven. And, uh, and this year he's back. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, you know, fully mature. And, uh, I'm really pumped to chase after him. He's a, just a, I'm kind of a sucker for these
0: big framed eight points dude. And, and he's, he's a handsome gentleman. Dude. So, uh, I love we'll it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I, I don't know what it is, but whenever I go to like the Iowa deer classic and you're walking down the halls, right. The, the trophy hall and you're seeing all these, there's something Uh, You know, obviously, uh, a 15-pointer with trash everywhere is awesome. But there's something about a gigantic framed 8-pointer that, I don't know, it's like it just, it is what Iowa made their deer crossing signs from. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like the award in high school, like the talks the least, says the most. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. That's funny.
1: There's just something impressive about, you know, a, a... I don't know what it is either, but, uh, he's got a soft spot in my heart and I'm, he's, I'm going to go after him this year and hopefully me and my dad can, can put an arrow in him. So,
0: and that's a perfect transition. Cause that's definitely what I wanted, wanted to talk to you about. So you're starting to understand this farm more. You are, you've got a hit list mm-hmm. put together, mm-hmm. uh, right now. And I have a feeling that by the end of the end of the summer before October 1st hits, you're probably going to have a little bit more added to that hit list. If I had to guess, but your dad drew an Iowa tag. So are, is this one of those seasons where it's just dedicated to your dad? Like you're going to you're gonna give up your own hunting to make sure he gets an encounter or are you going to kind of parallel with him, like drop him off at stands and you're going to go hunt a different piece or what's the story there? It would be really easy
1: to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to give,
0: like the whole season is dedicated
1: to my dad getting a deer. But I know deep down he doesn't want that. My season is dedicated to having an awesome season with my dad. Yeah. And so um, this is a rare time. You know, I've lived here in Iowa for five years and we haven't hunted together here yet. So that's super important. And so um, just being around each other uh, um, this fall, you know, we got the Airstream ready to go. That's going to be hunting camp. We're going to spend a lot of just quality time together. Obviously, we're going to hunt a lot. Hopefully, each drag each other's deer out. Hopefully, be in the tree stand with each other whenever we arrow, uh, you know, these bucks. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm really pumped, and it's just going to be a it's going to be a season that's dedicated to sharing some and making some memories with my dad. Even if they're, you know, whether we kill deer or not, that's the ultimate goal. But I mean, he, you know, I look back, and it's like the times that you know, he introduced me to hunting and I've always been just in life. I've always kind of pushed myself and wanted more and wanted, you know, wanted to improve and wanted bigger, wanted better. And, and, um, you know, it eventually drew me out here to the, you know, hunting drew me out here to the Midwest and and away from him. And, and, and so, um, I want to, I want to make sure that, you know, all of that, my passion was fueled by the times and the memories that we were able to create together right and that's what is that's that's the deal right and so um yeah i'm gonna sit with them a good bit and just it's gonna be uh i'm I'm really pumped man i i I can't wait and who knows what's gonna happen right and that's 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 what's really exciting but i know we're gonna get to spend a lot of time together that's the beauty about iowa too is that we don't have such a you know pennsylvania where i grew up we have uh, I believe it's six weeks of bow season. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. I haven't hunted there for a handful of years, but back in the day, uh, archery season used to end in the middle of November. And in Iowa here, man, we can bow hunt until beginning of December. Yep. And then he can come back and we can hunt, you know, muzzle uh, muzzleloader through January. If, yep. I mean, a lot of times. So that's, that's nice. There's not going to be a ton of pressure. He's retired, so he can come out and hunt some cold fronts if he wants. And then he can come and not feel pressured that he has to all day sit every single day I mean he can do his thing and that's yep. that's the goal is
0: have fun right man that's gonna be that's gonna be sweet yeah like I'm gonna have to uh, stop by uh base camp when Definitely. you guys are down there well because yeah. I want to hear what he, he has to say
1: and if you shoot a deer we need to get a phone call and vice versa I mean oh yeah like my dad to this day I mean on his you know junky old iPhone 4 you know he still has pictures and video from when we recovered these bucks in Kansas and it was like like the, the the one one year we doubled up same day, I shot my buck in the morning, and he shot one in the evening. And when we went to recover his in the evening, there was like, there's like six or seven of us, and it was just like a moment like when we recovered that deer. It was just it was so crazy and fun, like how he died and everything was just crazy. But, um, like those we still have, we still talk about to this day. Right. And uh, I'm trying to. I want to make more of those. Yeah, you know? that's awesome.
0: So, so what? Give me some secondhand info. What what is his anticipation like? I'm, I, I want to definitely, you know, get him on the next time he's uh, down here. But <laughs> what's what's his anticipation like, and what are his expectations coming into this season? Because I, I mean, it, yeah, it's Iowa, right?
1: Yeah, well, there, it, it has that stigma, you know. Yeah. But I I mean, uh, man, it's it is not easy here either. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there, I think that a lot of people they they draw and they come and they have this, you know. Every, everything they dreamed of. They shoot the biggest deer of their life. It happens within a week or whatever. And it's, that story has happened again and again. But there's been a, a mountain load more where it hasn't gone that way. And so, he's well aware of that. Um, he does know that there's, you know, there are big deer in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, if he puts his time in, which that's my dad, my dad's forte, I mean, my dad, he, he respects the, the quest um the work it requires to, to track down the beast, and um, you know if that is going to require you know uh, 60 hours in a tree stand before he can you know or or, or 80 hours in a tree stand, I mean he's game. He's going to yeah. do it. Um, my dad talks about how he just respects how when you recovered your deer last year, like you know you went through the ups and downs of shooting this deer and tracking him and then it rained and then you just stayed on him you pursued and my dad i mean he respect respected that and thought that i mean that's what he respects out of out of a hunter is never giving up yeah he respects that quality out of an individual with all things in life you, you don't give up um but that's really what gets him going so yeah. i i know that like that was really um impactful to him like how much time you put into recovering that deer Mm -hmm. and he's done the same thing he's gone through a couple track jobs where it's taken him multiple days to to recover an animal but when he does like that is such a satisfying feeling to know that he never gave up right and so um, I I don't really know where I'm going with this other than like from the expectation standpoint he's a grinder he's a grinder and he's always has been and I think I've inherited that quality from him Um, not just from the hunting perspective like we just keep after things and um, I'm proud to have that quality I'm proud to have that from my dad from my mom too you know we're they're workers and uh, so that's what we get out of my dad would much rather put like three weeks into arrowing a buck day in day out the grind as opposed to like having it teed up for him on a food plot just yeah. how it is. Yeah. I mean, and there's nothing right, wrong, or indifferent about it. That's who he is. Right. And so we're going to give it to him. Right. We're going to give him a farm that I think lays out, literally from the bow hunting gods, pinch points, thick draws, uh, crick bottom crossings, like the ultimate playbook. We're going to give, or the ultimate uh, arena. And we're going to just cut him loose on it.
0: That's awesome. Uh, yep. Man, uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny because there are people that I'm always interested in what their their season brings right whether they're a first timer to Iowa or they are like for example my uh, our buddy Ryan Iberg mm-hmm. right I just I I'm always intrigued of what he's going to do just you know because he's a friend you because you're a friend but but I know your dad now and how much he respects the animal and mm-hmm. respects the chase and just, you know, he's an overall good guy yeah. that I'm just like, I'm really cheering for cheering for him this year. Yeah. It's awesome. awesome it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then, so from a management qu- question, mm-hmm. right. You say you have two hit listers mm-hmm. for, for him. Is are you giving him the the choice to shoot whatever he wants this year? Or is this like, Hey dad, it's got to be a four-year-old or over on this farm. Um, he He's
1: going to – he's open to shoot anything he wants. Right. I think that where he's at, and I'm not going to speak for him, but we're going to go through pictures of of deer that I think, like, ultimately, and he's expressed to me, like, he wants to shoot a big old gnarly buck. Yeah. You know, that's the goal. I mean, we're going to – he's going to hold out. He's got the tag finally. He's going to put the time in, and so to, to shoot something that – isn't really checking all those boxes for him I don't really I mean if it makes him happy that's totally fine mm-hmm. but I also want to guide him towards okay this deer here dad like he may have a lot of points or like this big flyer coming off of him um, but like he's probably three years old right and he might be four years old but like he looks really impressive but he might be a little bit smaller whenever you get him on the ground so if I can just talk through that with him or uh, then you know I mean it's it's all good I mean he I think it's He's, he's had plenty of experiences with big deer to the point where, you know, when he, he'll know when to pick the bow up. Yeah. Yep. So when that bruiser comes around the corner, I mean, it'll be, and he'll be an autopilot and I got full confidence that it's, you know, it's, it'll, it'll be good. So, um, that being said, we got to, I told him, I said, we're going to shoot some does, you know, we, we owe it to the farmer to shoot some does and yep. we're going to, that'll be good. We can get some, shake the jitters off, um, you know, get a couple, couple doe kills under our belt and get, get in the groove, you know? Yeah. So
0: awesome. So other, other than that, I mean, is he, uh, when does he plan on coming out for the first, uh, is he planning on coming out for an early season hunt? Maybe if we get a day Walker, that's just like, you got to come here and get right. on this thing. Um, which
1: that's kind of unorthodox compared to, you know, how him and I hunt. But if we, if, if there's one that's like blatantly, you, we gotta go get him yeah. and chase after him he'll come out but because it's such a long trip I think he's probably gonna wait until around Halloween or so and then we're gonna kick it into gear right. so um, and we're gonna have deer camp and the and, and, uh, you know with, with the Airstream camper and everything We, we they came out here uh, not too long ago and we got it all you know inspected and tuned up and everything's running so we know that he'll be able to go down there and have a good quality time without having to run back and forth you know an hour and a half right. or so and
0: Um, but yeah cool all right so the other kind of topic I want to talk about here and I know we don't have a lot to cover on this is this this property that you're hunting Mm -hmm. right and it's a lease and it's a great farm but right it's a great farm but what well it's It's
1: physically almost impossible to hunt because right now it's farmed, it's planted, so tight up against the cover that I can't I can't get around, even walking. Right. (laughs) uh, Until the crops are out, like with the corns up right now, like there's a massive part of the farm that I can't even get cameras into. Right. Um, So uh, that's the big but right now is that it's it's um, farmed. It's literally to the field edge. Yeah, yeah. To, to, there's to, no buffer strips. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, there's no. Uh, th- there's no strips to cruise around on a four wheeler and go check cameras or access different parts of the farm or scout this or that. Once the corn's up or once the crops are up, you're basically locked out. So, but that's not the problem. the The problem is that there's been a lot of erosion issues on this place. Okay. And it's a pretty rugged farm, but it's, it's, it's a lot of terrain. It's a lot of terrain. There's a lot of erosion that goes along with it. And the farmer's doing the best he can from a, um, you know, he's no till, uh, planting. He's not doing traditional tillage. Um, but it's still so steep that some places should just not be planted. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do is work with the landowner here in the years to come to, uh, get some of this ground into the CRP program, the conservation reserve program, which exists to uh, incentivize the landowner to take sensitive areas, highly erodible land out of traditional crop production, uh, that in, which typically inhibits erosion. And it's, it's going to, uh, it, uh, it's going to be replaced with some sort of grass habitat. Yeah. Uh, warm native season grasses, uh, uh, cool season grasses, uh, something that creates a stronger root base mm-hmm. to stop the flow of water, to yep. pre- start, start to prevent some erosion. But my landowner is not going to suffer from a financial standpoint because he'll still be incentivized uh, and paid on an annual basis, just like he would from a farmer. Right. So I'm going to help him get some of the acres of this place into the CRP program. We're going to save some of the best crop acres for the farmer still so that he gets better yields he doesn't have to rent as much ground and everybody's just going to benefit from it so there needs to be some some strategic uh, decisions made and that's where I'm I've assumed that role Uh, my landowner is is um, you know relying on me somebody who's in the land business every day to advise him on how do I make this farm better? Not only from say a hunting perspective, but from a diversity and income and a long-term value perspective. Right. Right. And so we got to take some of these crop acres out and uh, get it into CRP. And that'll other things will fall into place after that. There's going to be some more food plots that we can put in. Um, There's going to be some different ways that we can have a better hunting experience as well. Um, An infrastructure experience, you you know, we're going to improve the infrastructure. There's a lot of different things, but it'll be a, you know, beginning next year would be a long project that I'm going to be right. stepping into and it's going to be fun.
0: So whether you lease a property or you just have like permission to hunt a piece of property, how did the conversation start with the landowner to say, was this something that you initiated and said, Hey, you should really think about this. Or was he bitching about something and then you said, I have a solution for that.
1: Um, well it was, he got this letter in the mail. It says, hey. Uh, Uh, You've got this obligation, what's called mid-contract management for the current CRP that's on the farm. Mm -hmm. And so CRP programs, there's a lot of different ones. This one already has what are called filter strips. Filter strips is a section of grass that's planted in between a creek bottom and the edge of a field. And the goal is when there's nitrogen runoff or or fertilizer runoff, any sort of runoff from the field, before it reaches the creek, it goes through this filter strip, which is just grasses. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's capturing nitrogen before it uh, nitrates before it gets into the overall watershed. So he gets, and so when you have CRP, you have to do what's called mid contract management. Typically, you see CRP on a 10-year contract period, and so years four, five, or six, you have mid contract management. You either have to burn, disk, or spray. That's typically the the three practices to be able to make sure that those grasses are doing, you know, they're growing as good as they can and you don't have invasives growing and kind of taking over like cedars or, or, you know, other sort of invasive plants. You want a good stand of whatever that habitat is. Um, He gets this letter in the mail and says, hey, uh, you know, you've got to do this. And and so, you know, he gave it to me and said, what do I do? I said, well, man, this is going to be quite an undertaking because there's a lot of filter strips on this place. Said, so, well, you can you can you help me with that? Yeah. So we got to talking, and I said, you know, do do you you know are you aware of some of there's some big, big canyons on this place from erosion perspective, you know, and that we got it all into the talk of long term value and and um, you know what what can we do to what can I do to help uh, bring the professionals on, whether it's operators or biologists or some water conservation experts or you know there's these different programs that are involved, everything that I'm involved with on a daily basis with whitetail properties and selling land. Um, I'm privy to all, all of these resources for the landowner. Mm-hmm. And so I'm connecting him with those. Okay. And, um, you know, he, he basically said, man, I, I, I really want you to, to be able to, to help me out with this. Right. So we, we, you know, we, we made it mutually beneficial for each other. And so I'm going to help transform this place into a, 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 uh, an improved property, just like a house, you know, you, you have a house, uh, that's maybe, uh, uh, needs some TLC, but it's in a prime location and yeah. has all the makings of being a great, uh, a, a a great property. Um, but it needs some love and it needs some attention on certain things. And we got to stop the bleeding, especially on the erosion issues yeah. right now. And there's some crossings that have washed out that make it tough for my my farmer to uh, to get his crops out, even mm-hmm. with all this rain we've been getting. Um, so we got to get all that under control. Otherwise, my landowner is going to have a farm that's that's rough. Right. and is not as valuable, uh, down the road.
0: Right. So. so, you know, obviously from a fin- financial standpoint, what were his concerns, like when you brought this to his attention and ultimately he agreed to it because you're getting ready to do that next, uh, next year <laughs> from a financial standpoint, what was, what was the, uh, his main concerns? I mean, was, did he think, oh man, just, well, I'm taking money out or I'm taking cropland out. I'm automatically going to lose, Income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, without getting
1: into the the fine details of the the financials right now, the the ultimate conversation was that, um, okay, we we're, we're the goal is not to to take we're going to take crop acres away, but we're going to replace that with another form of income generating acres. Gotcha. So that's that's the beauty of the CRP program. Now that rate, it can't. I mean, if it's drastically off, if he's getting you know, let's say somebody's getting uh $200 per acre in, in cash rent and that CRP program equivalent is only bringing $120 an acre. Then there's a big gap. There's an $80 an acre gap there that he's not going to realize going forward. So, right. but on the other hand, you got to look at the economics of, okay, well, what programs can we do? And then what are other ways that we can realize uh, income um, so that it, it, you know his balance sheet looks the same, but he knows he's doing the right thing long term for his farm. Right. And on the other hand, you got to look at it too. Like, okay, well, I get these immediate returns with renting a place, but if you got these erosion issues constantly happening, then uh, and and the topsoil washing away. I mean, I flew the drone this uh, this spring, and like some of the faces of these ridges, the cro- of the crop fields were almost orange. Like, no more topsoil. Right. I mean, areas that just shouldn't be being farmed. You know, but um, so so when you got to think the, as as a tenant eventually that agreement will will you know that contract or what that agreement will end and you're going to it's going to be time to kind of renegotiate a, a a cash rent mm-hmm. and if he's you know if the farm is 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 uh diminishing every year from from a quality perspective then he's not going to want to continue to pay maybe his certain rate you know so so uh how how um you know, how good of a long term plan is that? It's right. re- it's really not. You, you, just like a house, I mean, yeah, it sucks to be able to, to have to pay to, you know, I just had these trees cut down here. The you know, right outside my house, these two monster trees. Well, that was an initial big bill. Like, dang. Right. You know, that don't, I mean, that nobody wants to drop that kind of money. But at the same time, it, I mean, my house is going to improve because of that my roof won't be, you know, if my roof won't <laughs> right. be uh, damaged long term, you know, and, and, uh, Um, so what I'm saying is you got to invest for the future, just like everything. And so from a financial perspective, my goal is to make sure that he doesn't take a, a big hit and hopefully we can actually make him some more money
0: with some of these specific programs. Right. Is there going to be any type of short term, uh, gain for him? Like, uh, is he going to have a, a, a logging company come in and timber timber any of it?
1: No, not right now. Okay. I, I don't think that there's enough quality timber on this place right now. And that and to be able to do that, you got to have the infrastructure to be able to get the logging trucks in there and to get people to go in and bid and mark trees and everything. We just don't have it right now. Yeah. That'll be kind of a tier two, tier three project is assessing the timber value of it. Um, but one thing, and, and anybody that's listening here that is, is wanting to help a landowner out, or maybe you are a landowner that's listening to this. Take a look at what's called the Forest Reserve Program. If you've got timber, Forest Reserve says, "Hey, if you keep 200 trees per acre, uh, you don't have to pay taxes on it." Yeah. Okay. Now that's a pro. I mean, you can't just stop paying taxes on it. You have to go into the either assessor site, the auditor, or uh, you know your county assessor, county auditor, and and explain to them what you want to do. But in forest reserve, at least here in the Midwest, those acres aren't taxed. So as long as you keep it into a nice stand of timber, 200 trees per acre. So uh, uh, we're going to assess the acres on this place that we can put into forest reserve. And if that saves him, x amount of dollars per year yeah. in taxes that's almost like i mean on the other hand that's a you know that's a gain right that's a that's, a, that's a, like a source of income almost so to make
0: up for potentially yeah. that eighty dollars that you talked about yeah, earlier exactly yeah, okay.
1: exactly yep so that's that's one way to be able to uh uh immediately get some some income uh on a property is by looking at forest reserve and getting some taxes removed
0: right lower okay now from a bow hunt or a, a deer hunting perspective right next year when you do all this work and let's fast forward to when all the work is done mm-hmm. the crp's planted you know they've taken out uh crop acres what do you think that's going to do to the deer habitat on this farm and do you think it will uh the farm will uh, benefit from it from i guess on your standpoint because you're the guy who hunts it are you you th- are you thinking that uh it's going to hold more deer
1: yeah, long term it will. The first year it may not. Um, it depends on how well we do, especially planting the native warm season grasses, mm-hmm. your switchgrass, your big blue stem, the prairie grasses that people are familiar with. That are four, five, six feet tall. Um, I've seen, I've seen some fields planted here, and I've been on some farms that have been planted in that habitat and have taken literally like three years to get up to the 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 height where a whitetail feels comfortable to bed in, in yep. it. And then on the other hand, like Casey Schutman, my buddy Casey, Casey's from the management advantage, you, you know, Casey, yep. Yep. Um, Casey is, I mean, he is a expert at planning stands of grass. And so he planted, he planted some switchgrass this year that is all, he told me the other day is like, it's four or five feet tall already. So, I mean, we want to make sure that whoever is planning that, we get the best in there mm-hmm. so that we can maximize the growth right out the gate. I've seen some CRP really be slow to start. Um, and it, it's also how you manage it as well. Like we'll have to mow it a couple times that first year to, to keep the weeds from choking out the grasses. And so, you know, you got to get that stand of grass to, to, to be able to, to dominate. Um, uh, within a couple years though, it's going to, effectively you know if we get in the acres that i want to get in it's going to effectively double the amount of cover on this farm right and uh it'll it'll make uh for certainly a lot more habitat for deer
0: right so not only is this a long-term investment for the landowner this is a long-term investment for you because you're help you're helping the landowner you know so, so your plan is, Hey, I'm going to benefit this from this in three years. So mm-hmm. your goal is to keep this lease mm-hmm. for three, five years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I want to
1: keep it long-term for yeah. sure. I mean, that's, I want to, I want to be able to help him out and, and, uh, also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to benefit from it as well as, as I'm going to get a lot of firsthand experience, you know, um, managing a farm right? and, and there's going to be failures and there's going to be successes. And, and so, you know, I'm looking at it different ways you know he's going to benefit I'm going to benefit I'm going to learn a lot Um, it's it's going to be a good wholesome project so yeah long term though I I think that um, if done right it it can be a pretty special place you know I think it can be a pretty special farm if we can do the things that I would like to do or accomplish on it
0: right so So, I know you've talked a little bit about we, we've kind of covered some of the, the, you know, playing the grass and you know, preventing erosion and some of the other things, uh, you know, like the CRP program and uh, the timber reserve program. But like daydreaming or, or looking into the future, what are you in? What are you envisioning this farm then to be? You know, in this three to five year range. I mean, I would say. Um...
1: In three to five years, we should be doubling the amount of mature bucks on it. Uh, we should have some really nice ones mm-hmm. running around. I mean, it's, I don't have enough experience, nor do I think Mother Nature is able to be that calculated where I can say, oh, yeah, we're going to have Boone and Crockett whitetails and this, that, and right, the other. Right. But at the same time, I think we're going to be able to hold multiple uh, deer, into an age bracket where they're really expressing their full potential. And that's, right. that's the ultimate goal. If I can get them to the age of four, five, six years old, then we're, you know, we should be having a lot of fun on there chasing some, some big boys. So that's the goal is to, you know, right now, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not running cameras on the whole place. Uh, I would say, you know, there's going to be, th- let's, let's just say three fully mature bucks, roaming on Roman, this property. And how many because acres is it? Um, well, it's it's the what I'm focusing on right now is around 700, and so the breakdown is about 400 tillable, 300 uh, uh, cover, okay, 3 300 like timber, creek bottom, brush, and that's right now. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, uh, how many acres of crops are then taken out on this new plan?
1: Uh, we're looking at probably about 200.
0: 200. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. About about 200, we're gonna remove. So it'll be you know. So, so look at it like th- three to five years from now, we're going to have, uh, 200 of like wicked, awesome stand in CRP, 200 of your traditional hardwood and, and ridges crick, and, crick bottom yep. timber, and then 200 of some of the best tillable that is, you know, when I say best, I mean, not the best in Iowa, by any means the right. best in that area. You right. Know? So, um, it should be a good balance of diversity, um. But yeah, it's, uh, there's going to be a lot of work to, to get, to get there. Uh, but as of, as of now, you know, let's say there's three good bucks that are roaming the property and hopefully in that three year mark, we're, we're talking about five or six. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Just like anything. And this is one thing that I've heard from, you know, just following along with like the QDMA or following along, just having more cover and more habitat brings in more deer and just, just by, you know, having more deer, you're going to have the ability to have more mature deer, you know, oh. and that's just covered, cover isn't, you know, only three-year-olds live in this cover mm-hmm. or only a one-year-old lives in this cover. Mm-hmm. It just, it's good for everything, Absolutely. every age yeah. range. So, yep. All right. Like on a scale of one to 10, like this upcoming season, you got a hit list put together. Your dad's coming down. Like are, how jacked are you right now? Are you like. 10 are you peaking already or where are you at 20 you're you're at it you're that jacked i'm pumped
1: dude I, I i've been i've been waiting for this year for a long long time yeah um and and so uh we're getting all of our work dialed in we're getting all the all the honeydew lists knocked out so that come uh come fall uh when the, when the uh the leaves start turning we're gonna be where we want to be and where yep. we need to be yeah Yep. that's so.
0: awesome and uh talking with your dad is is he is it one of those is it one of these conversations like when you talk to him these days is it all about deer hunting all the time now for him i mean is it like all right what do you got for me what's going on tell me talk to me it's it's
1: that or firewood he's the,
0: <laughs> he's, the guy
1: loves firewood he, he he's like you know he's got we have got a nice big fireplace at home and and uh, they've got a ca- cabin as well, and and so there's a lot of firewood cutting in preparation for the fall and the winter. Yeah, it's a main source of heat and fuel for for his family. So. Uh, firewood's a a big topic and then second would be, would be the whitetails
0: for sure. (laughs) So he's a firewood connoisseur yeah, and that's what he gets jacked up on right now. Oh man, yeah. There's just
1: something, what, what, like what gets us, like if we're cruising down the road and we see some big old gnarly velvet buck, you you know, right now, like what gets my dad going is like driving down the road and like, man, check that guy's wood pile out. Like (laughs) that guy has got it going on. (laughs) He knows, he knows what he's doing. (laughs) There's that, there's that. That bullshit ad that you see, you know, I saw at ATA one time. It's like we measure our success in inches, which is the most bogus freaking thing I've ever heard in my life. That's just, you know, that's a slap in the face to, 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 uh, you know, hunting in general, let alone you know, wildlife. But um, my dad measures. It's like he, he measures success in the form of cords, right? You know, cords of wood. Right.
0: So. But I wish I, I wish I could. That joke flopped. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hopefully, I, some I, people <laughs> on the other end are left. <laughs> like. yeah. There. I I just I don't know, man. It's hard for me to this time of year after checking trail cameras and seeing the deer that I got on camera. It's hard for me to even have a second hobby yeah. or like right now. I'm trying to remodel the upstairs of my loft, which is taking extremely long. Mm-hmm. I'm almost done with drywall. Mm-hmm. I suck at drywall. <laughs> I, like, to the point where I'm embarrassed to take any Instagram pictures of it. To the point where someone would call me out and be like, "Dude, you need to, you need to hire the rest of it because." What, <laughs> what do they expect? You just
1: got to get some drywall. You I know, know. It's like in and, and get that. So this to be the new nine fingered layer. Oh, this this is gonna, Sportsman's Nation world be the,
0: headquarters. I think it might be galactical. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the Sportsman's Nation galactical headquarters. I love it that. if that's even a word. I, you, we just made it up. Hey, it is now. Yeah. It is now. So yeah, dude. I don't know. Uh I'm uh I'm jacked, but I'm not at a twenty yet. I'm not I'm not I'm not peeking out yet because I got a brutal uh brutal elk hunt in two weeks that is Yeah, just... here we
1: are talking about whitetails and yeah, you're we're overlooking these freaking hunts that you've been you you've shed like thirty pounds, you uh, look like no. freaking Viking over here. No.
0: It's just my T-shirts are tight in the right okay. spots. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I I haven't lost weight, but uh, I'm, uh, dude, I don't know, jacked for that. And then I got a this mule deer hunt that's coming up, and I don't know what to expect. It's going to be one of those hunts where you're just, where you're just, you go and wing it. Mm-hmm. It's like the first time you've ever gone to an out-of-state hunt or whatever, you know, but I don't know. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this fall. A lot of time and energy has gone into it hopefully the family is stable-ish before i leave you know burn burn some bridges along the hunting season and then just rebuild them throughout the rest of the year you know what i mean
1: (laughs) yeah that's the
0: question are are we are we preparing for hunting season or are we just rebuilding the bridges that we've burned from last right (laughs) exactly exactly well mr ben harshine i appreciate your time thank you buddy And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Mr. Ben Harshine, man. I really appreciate your time. Huge shout out to each and every one of you. I say it every time. I mean it every time. Uh, Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for tuning in downloading listening making it what it is please go to itunes or wherever you download your podcast leave a five-star review let everybody else know that this is uh one of your favorites um be sure to be subscribing to the nine finger chronicles podcast now just for clarification and i say this all the time but there's two feeds right there's the nine finger chronicles rss feed there's the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast that is just the standalone. All you're getting is Nine Finger Chronicles. But then there's the Sportsman's Nation podcast. And there's the Sports Sportsman's Nation Whitetail feed that the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast is is on. So there's two different podcasts. One is just the Nine Finger Chronicles. One is the network feed. And what you have then is all of the awesome whitetail related content. It's, and the name of that podcast is Sportsman's Nation Whitetail Hunting, right? That's the name of the, the podcast RSS feed. And that's the one that you should subscribe to if you want to hear uh, from Southern Ground, if you want to hear from the guys at Land and Legacy, if you want to hear from the DIY Sportsman, uh, so forth and so on. Pro Talk Outdoors and whatnot. So uh, there is a ton of great content coming through the Sportsman's Nation. And be sure to visit sportsmansnation.com. That's the website. There's a ton of great articles there as well. And there's some really good, um, our, our man, or uh, I guess, I don't know. I should give him a title. I don't have a title for him yet, but uh, he's kind of running the the youtube the sportsman's nation youtube channel and it's uh southern ground is putting out a lot of content there as well so go check out the youtube channel and i'm telling you man uh we're just going to keep growing and keep going and we're not going to stop until it's complete uh world domination and uh i suck at drywall so if (laughs) you're going to be in a tree stand anytime soon You gotta wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week.